Look out, Balloonyaks. It's spoopy season. I feel silly saying spoopy, but I'm gonna go with it anyways. This is your friendly neighborhood content warning, and we're just letting you know, in case you haven't ever listened before, that we swear a lot on this show. And especially this season, sex and violence are gonna come up regularly. Not gonna go into the nitty-gritty, but, uh, you know, maybe some of the nitty. You've been warned. Hey, everybody, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. We're your aeronauts, and we're back with more word balloons. We have finally, finally made it to the slaughtered lamb. Yay! I have never, like, openly underestimated your job. I always know that you do a lot of work and everything we do to this, but Jesus Christ, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, what can I There's say? There's a reason I do not drive the balloon, and we found this out. Yeah, somehow we ended up in that Bermuda Triangle for a bit. And... <laughs> Just Editor and so way Steven here. That's also kind of my bad, and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take partial blame on that. I definitely took us north when we should have been going west. Like I was gonna go over. The penguins were cute, though. I'll give it that. So that was nice. I did. <laughs> yeah. But they were a little bit terrifying when they turned into those murder penguins, alien monsters. Yeah, it's the giant penguins from some of the Lovecraft tales. Or just a crossover yeah. with the Adventure Time episodes we're doing on General Nerdery right now. Whichever one I'm trying to reference. Yeah, I mean, I named hey. that one Gunter. You know. <laughs> but now we're here. Now we're in the Slaughtered Lamb. In what I assume is London, I have not watched this movie in a lot of years. Close enough. But it's in the j- adjacent. Okay. But Rick Mayall's playing darts in the corner. <laughs> Before we land, <laughs> we have a couple of games to play. Stowaway. What is our first game? Oh, well, the bats from earlier in the season that were giving me some of my cryptic things. I'm not 100% have. sure you should listen to the bats. That's how we ended up well, uh, in okay, the North Pole. So, long story short, they're fans of the games that we've played <laughs> in previous seasons. They apparently have some sort of podcast feed that they're listening to. Um, and they have been just like forming the words kaiju versus cryptid to get me to play it again. So I'm just like, okay, I will appease you. He goes to bed. Kaiju versus cryptid. Wakes up. Kaiju versus cryptid. I'm Fine! In, I'm in the Fine. library. Kaiju versus cryptid. I'm in the kitchen. Kaiju versus cryptid. Our hot air balloon is awesome. It's pretty dope. I'm scurrying around the air vents uh, below all the time, and they're just kaiju versus cryptid. So we're going to do kaiju versus cryptid. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't guessed. Just to... Because it seems like a fan favorite from from the bats, at least. And I'm hoping that it'll get them to go away. And I have a list of uh, some interesting kaijus and cryptids um, here that we're going to see what you guys, whether or not you know what they are. We have Yoi. Yoi. Can you spell it? Y-O-W-I-E. Uh, I'm going to say cryptid. I'm going to go with cryptid as well. You are both correct. It is one of several names for Australian folklore entity re- reputed to live in the outback akin to a Bigfoot. Not going to lie, I actually knew that one was a cryptid thanks to the Cryptid Factor podcast. They are based out of Australia. Am I pronouncing that anywhere cro- I close? I think to so. <laughs> and, well, ooh, actually, take that back. They're based out of New Zealand. But oh, they will get very enough. mad at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cryptid oh, factor? well, one of them. Yeah, one of them's from Australia. From oh, Lumbray, so just make it so. real confusing. Yeah. Well, it's um, Reese Darby's podcast. Oh, dope. Yeah. Link me to this later. Yeah. Um, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Wait, no, they don't talk about cryptids all that much. <laughs> Still link me to that later. Up next, we have Baron. V-A-R-R-E-N? V-A-R-A-N. Ooh. Uh, Kaiju. Same. It is a kaiju. It is a ancient reptilian creature, first appeared in uh, Varen the Unbelievable in 1958. Ooh, I thought it was going to be a, a more recent one than that, so if you would have had me guess an era, I would have been way off. I was going to say 80s kaiju. But... I do kind of like that you said ancient reptilian creature, and I'm like, that could be, like... 
All Literally of them. anyone but Mothra and King Kong. Up next, we have King Caesar. Oh, King Caesar's a kaiju. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping to get you with this one. Um, uh, but King Caesar is a kaiju. It's an ancient uh, Shisa kaiju who first appeared in the 1974 Toho Godzilla uh, film, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. King Caesar's pretty dumb. What is Shisa? Um, it is a... I had to look this up. It's kind of a... Um, when I was looking it up, it's like kind of like a stone lions, if I'm finding it. Oh, cool. Okay. It's a traditional cultural artifact decoration derived from Chinese guardian lions. Nice. Okay. Oh, it's uh, it's the Chinese version of the Tibetan temple dog. Oh, Dresden Faust. Yes. yes, mouse, gotcha. But lion. Yeah, except he's like a big... I know exactly. Yeah, as yeah, soon yeah. as we said this, I was like, ah, oh, that thing. Yeah, yeah, Oh, that sounds cool. And I was mostly, I when just side notes, doing research to build this game, I came across Kid Caesar, which is uh, the young version, or basically his son. Like Did the, he hang out with Godzuki? I Yes. Godzuki. Some sort of affiliation. As far as I can tell. Um, and is adorable. Super adorable. I was like... See, what would have been great is if Kid Caesar had been uh, cryptid and you could have just completely thrown us for a loop. Like, Which, that would have been great as well. Up next, we have Behemoth. I'm going to go with Kaiju again, but man, that one actually could go either way. Both? I'm pointing. Yes, I'm agreeing with him, actually. Like, <laughs> I, I don't see there not being a Kaiju named Behemoth, especially in the Godzilla King of the Monsters uh, well, I, extras I uh, think on one the of Godzilla the other screens. King of the Monsters actually Wait, was Behemoth as Behemoths. Oh. Okay, so as far as I could find in my research, I could not see any specific, I could not find any specific oh. cryptid named Behemoth. There's pro- Some of them are just behemoth-sized. Behemoth-sized and or like classifies as they such. They are a, a behemoth. Something yeah. like that, but they might have a more specific name. But specifically what I found behemoth to be is a kaiju um, that is first appears in one of the newer uh, Godzilla movies. A titan who first appears in the 2019 Legendary Pictures Godzilla film, Godzilla King of Monsters. Looks like a woolly mammoth. Yes. Oh, that one was fucking sweet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is, <laughs> I'm just, I want to bring this one up and talk about it. Well, up next, we have Ningenin? Ningenin? Spell it, please. N I N G E N. Ningenin. Ningen? Ningen? Cryptid. Kaiju. Cryptid. Japanese folklore Arctic humanoid creature reported to ha- uh, be an inhabitant of the subarctic oceans. Hmm. Um, See, Japanese cryptids are the way to get us with this one. Kind of. All of the visual representations I found of it is super cool. It kind of reminds me of the snow golem from Adventure Time without arms. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like that. Okay. So it's just basically kind of like a giant ball of snow with long legs walking through oh, Arctic areas. That's some Baba Yaga shit right there. <laughs> um, but like it seemed from like, and I might be wrong on this. Like it's supposed to be kind of humanoid size, so it looked like about oh, okay five six feet tall, something in that range. And it looks stupid adorable to me. <laughs> Up next, we have the Monosaurus cryptid. Wait, I, I want to make sure I'm saying this right. Monosaurus, Monosaurus, Monosaurus. Seems like it might be a distinction. Spell it again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like like it might be a uh, regional distinction, but uh, Monosaurus or Monosaurus, um, uh, M M O N O C E R O S. 
Oh, that was not a oh. call, but I thought it was going to... Um, I'm still going to go with Cryptid, though. What the hell? I'm going to go Kaiju in that case, with it, that spelling. It is a Cryptid. Damn it. Yeah, I got one right. More specifically, kind of a larger ancient legendary animal? A Cryptid, origin, a Greek legendary animal with only one uh, with only one horn related to the unicorn. Oh. So it's like a precursor to a unicorn. Okay. There is this really great book, and I'm trying to look up what his name is... Not that it's super important to this, but you're making me think of it. About Greeks finding dinosaur bones. And it's real. Like, uh, it, it's a real history book. And it's, I mean, as conclusively proven as you can conclusively prove something from ancient Greeks, that the griffin was them finding dinosaur bones in the uh, desert. Because there's a desert nearby Greece that the Greeks went through that it is so common to find horn-billed dinosaurs there that have a similar mm. build-up to, like, what the, the griffin would be, that you will just find them without going on a dig. You will just see them. Like, walk by and be like, oh, shit, fucking dinosaur bones! <laughs> uh, 80% sure uh, this animal, uh, the monosaurus or monosaur, or monosaurus, I think is how it's pronounced, monosaurus, is in this book you're referencing. Oh, I don't know what it's called. I'm, I'm trying to find time. Monosaurus. Um, uh, the First Fossil Hunters by Adrian Meyer. Mm. Adrian Meyer is like my favorite historian, so. Uh, M-O-N-O-C-E-R-O-S. Alright, yeah. Um, and people are, I think it might be a fucking rhinoceros fossil, is what people that are make sense. trying to basically... It kind of like looks a like a rhino. Font, it kind of looks like a cross. Uh, like the illustrations I was seeing, kind of looks like a rhinoceros crossed with a unicorn. Like if you made uh, like a, a unicorn more rhinoceros-like, but keep the horn where it normally is on its forehead. Okay. Well, we talk about how the legend of the Cyclops was be partly because they looked at ancient well, uh, pre-Bronze Age collapse. Well, that too. but uh, And they were like, no one could make cities this big. Like, mm -hmm. look what we could do. But the other thing is elephant bones, mammoth bones look ridiculously human if you, you know, don't have them set up badly. properly. <laughs> so they're like, what the hell is this human with one big eye? Uh, the same woman wrote a book doing the same thing, but about Native American legends. And I super. Mm. Great book. Not important to what we're doing. Up last, we have one last entry, and it's the last entry. And I'm going to say last one more time, because I said last a lot. Dun, dun, dun. Just to build suspense, we have the Doe Rats. Is it a kaiju or cryptid? Doe Rats. And uh, just because it seems to be a thing, D-O-R-A-T-S. Is Doe Rats I think rats I'm wrong plural? on that, but I'm going to still go. All right, in that case, I'm just going to say kaiju, so one I of us I think it might it. be... Okay. I think it might just be a, a singular of them is just a doe rat. I'm going to go with kaiju just so one of us is right no matter what, but I think it's a cryptid. <laughs> uh, well, you made the smart play because it is a kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> they are a small genetically engineered kaiju who appears in the 1991 Godzilla film, Godzilla vs. Uh, King Ghidorah. They're fucking adorable. They're, it's like I want to say like mm, eight inches tall. Um, so not not like a big uh, kaiju, but is technically falls into a kaiju uh, category. Mm -hmm. And they look like a little little Godzilla body, but replace its arms with bat wings, and replace its head with like a cat, like a real weird <laughs> fucked up cat head. Okay, I love this. <laughs> it's good. That's shit. awesome. This is making me think uh, because I've been reading a bunch of Power Rangers comics lately because <laughs> they're amazing. Don't judge me, but judge me. Some of the kaiju they come up with for Power Rangers stuff could almost just be a, like, is this a real one or did I just make it up game? Oh my fucking god, they are adorable. Show me. Yeah, Dear listeners, you gotta look this shit up. This is... He spelled it, so it's gonna be easy. Yeah. Do-rat. That's a dope. 
There was this. Oh, kind it's of... not even. It's it's not even a Godzilla body. That's King Ghidorah body. Oh, is it a King Ghidorah body? Yeah. Okay, that it makes is sense. Kind of fun period of Godzilla in like the eighties and early nineties, where they had moved from like this is a really dark tale about the after effects of the dropping the nuclear bomb on us to like look what costume we made this time. It's adorable. But before we can land, I'm going to see if I can make this work. Before we can land, the jukebox is super popular here. So we have come up with a very specific playlist for it. We got to make sure we got it all right because we don't have time to be messing around trying to find the right things while people are like tapping their foot impatiently behind us. Plus what I know from this crowd, I do not want to come in here and look like a fucking asshole. (laughs) Let's just avoid this, please. Wait, we spent all of that time lost and now we don't have time? Because we were lost. We this was to supposed to be done track. in October. We were so lost. <laughs> it is probably March when this episode comes out. Yeah, probably. <sighs> so, we have six monsters from this. Don't forget, we have our redemption rounds after this. But, six monsters after this. I have come up with songs for each one. You have to figure out what's what. It could be okay. a reference to the song or to the person, like the, the band name that came up oh, with this. Oh, okay. The six monsters. Count Orlock. The Dybbuk. The Hodag. Jeff the Talking Mongoose. El Coco and Gamera. Our first song, Lumberjack by Johnny Cash. Okay. Next, Bogeyman by Moontrekkers. Okay. I Put a Spell on You by Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Okay. Road to Nowhere by The Talking Heads. Okay. Jews for Jesus Blues by Clem Snide. Okay. (laughs) And the Teen Titans theme by Puffy Amiyumi, who is apparently just known as Puffy in Japan, but they didn't want to be sued by Puffy. Oh. So they were like, we're Puffy Amiyumi. That's fine. All right. Lumberjack, I want to say, is the Hodag. Yep. These are either really easy or, like, really annoyingly out there. I'm, I'm probably really easy. And uh, I feel like the- Man would be all Coco. Yep. Uh, what other one? Um, Jews for Jesus Blues would be the Dybbuk. Yep. What do we got left? Jeff the Talking Mongoose, Orlock. And Gamera. And Gamera. <laughs> Gamera. I'm still not sure how to pronounce that. I'm going to say Jeff is I Put a Spell on You. No. Damn yeah, it. I was hoping the screaming was the... Stupid part. No, but that's a good one. I'm actually kind of like that better. <laughs> what are the last three songs we have? Uh, Put a Spell on You by Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Road to Nowhere. By The Talking Heads. And the Teen Titans theme. By Puffy Amiumi. What do we got? Jeff. Jeff, Gamera, and Count Orlock. So is Jeff Road to Nowhere then? By The Talking Heads, yeah. yes. Okay. I couldn't think of anything for that one. And then The Talking Heads came on. I'm like, sure. Oh, also because Jeff the Talking Mongoose took place in the middle of nowhere. So Orlocks, I put a spell on you? Yes, by Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Gamera is the Teen Titans theme. Yes. Admittedly... Screaming Jay Hawkins is a little weak on that one. I put a spell on you. It kind of fits with vampire stuff. I mostly wanted to use Screaming Jay Hawkins because he's great. Yes. I also made a playlist of this on Spotify. You can find it under Word Balloons Dash Horror. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a weird playlist when you listen to it all together. And I could not get the Puffy Amiumi version of Teen Titans, but I did find an over-the-top orchestral adaptation of Teen Titans, and it kind of works with the rest of it. Okay. 
Okay. I, I'm going to find this, and I'm going to play this in the kitchen at work. It's kind of fun, yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. I time. have playlists for most of the podcasts we've been doing at this point. Oh, excellent. I'll, I'll link them to you. So apparently I can't buy a beer here unless I do these makeups for the things I missed. They're very picky. Man, we're American tourists. They don't like us already. Apparently they had some trouble with some previous American tourists who came in and fucked shit up for everybody in town. Um, so they're very stringent about the rules now. So Yeah, I noticed these, these big fence around the moors. I... Yeah, don't go to the moors. Don't go to the moors. All right, I missed some things. So, of the six... You actually did pretty well, especially for such a broad one. Of the six, first, we had Count Orlock, which you got. Who is uh, legally not Dracula Dracula. Yes. Ugly, legally not Dracula Dracula. I mean, there are some really cool things that are, like, only in Nosferatu, but honestly... That's where it came from. They still got sued over it. Yeah, yeah. It's close enough they got sued, so... Second, the Dybbuk. All right, I I screwed this one up. You You didn't know the name. name, I knew the name and how to spell it. And how to pronounce it better than me. Uh, the Dybbuk is a possessive spirit from of Hebrew origin. The name actually... The name is a corruption of the word, the Hebrew word for cleave, but not cleave as in split. Cleave is one of those weird words where cleave both means to split things together and put them together, or split them apart and put them together. Words can mean two things, but it's annoying when it means both the exact opposite things. Yeah, I love those words. I love that that bit of language, but yes, it's frustrating. And so the version of cleave that it's a corruption of is the same that you would see in Genesis when talking about uh, the marriage between Adam and Eve. And so it's like an evil, possessive intertwining of the spirit and the person being possessed. Usually the the possess, uh, the evil spirit, there are also, uh, I can't remember, it's not a Dybbuk, but there's a good version too, will leave after it does whatever it needs to do. That's helpful. Sometimes they need an exorcism. Um, most of the time it's a male spirit possessing a female. It usually gets weirdly sexual. like In ancient lore? Uh, like enter through the vagina. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but like, seems like a good portal for life. Societally, seems to uh, stem back to sort of a cultural phenomenon um, around women using this type of illness as a way to free themselves from arranged marriages they didn't want. We're pissed that you're not marrying the guy we set up for you, so you must be possessed by a dibbuk. No, like I'm pissed that I'm with this guy, so suddenly I'm ill with a possessive demon, and you can't touch me. Clever. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so much better than where I thought you were going with that. Um, Although about a quarter of uh, recorded Dybbuk cases occurred amongst males, usually, though, also in marriages they didn't want to be in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of jokes for that, and it's mostly just really inappropriate. So, um... This is a common thing with random um, uh, Jewish folklore that I find, and it just, like, always fucking delights me. (laughs) You have to remember a lot of old Jewish folklore, and we're talking... The old Jewish folklore uh, is, uh, in a lot of cases, like, Bronze Age stuff. And Bronze Age was real open about, like, all right, it's time to involve the vagina in this story now. (laughs) But yeah, also kind of cool that it just ups and leaves sometimes. Like, that's That's interesting. Hey, I just need to borrow your body for a little bit. I gotta go talk to a guy about a thing, and then just be gone. Just gone. I've made my point. It's time to go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. That brings us to the Hodag. 
Uh, real quick, oh, the sorry. Hodag episode was also the one we were talking about cultural differences in horror, and I realized there was one thing I didn't bring up that I can go, go across really quickly that yeah. I wanted to. Cultural differences in movies in general, not just horror, though it definitely applies to horror. American audiences need a happy ending, and we are notorious for it. And Americanized versions of other stories tend to warp things some <laughs> in a, a happy ending, whether it makes sense in the story or not. Uh, an example I can give uh, actually isn't from horror. It's from action. But the American cut of Jackie Chan's Legend of Drunken Master is 30 seconds shorter. <laughs> Because uh, if anyone's seen the movie, at the very end, during the last fight, he doesn't have any alcohol around, so he can't get into, like, full-on drunken master mode. Dude's kicking his ass. Literally, the dude is, like, 90% kick moves. And so he grabs some industrial alcohol in, like, a factory and downs it and goes fucking crazy drunken master, kicks his ass, and, you know, wins the day, and that's where the American version ends. And in the Chinese version, he drops dead? In the Chinese version, they play for laughs the fact that at the end of the movie, he is now, like, blind, a blind and gibbering idiot from drinking <laughs> a shit ton of industrial alcohol. That's even better than where I thought it was gonna go! Why do we not get that ending? Shit! With, I think, like, his, like, parents still having to, like, look over him or something. Oh, man. Because, I mean, he's right. There's one horror movie, and I don't even remember what it's called. I just know it had the Iceman guy in it. Val Kilmer? No, Sean Astin. X-Men Iceman, not... Oh! Uh, <laughs> Sean Ashmore. Ashmore, thank you. And it, it, like, this last person's escaping, and then, like, it shows a sign of something bad is gonna happen. And that movie... No, that, like, five-second clip has stuck with me. For I can't even fucking tell you what this movie is. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> now I need to know what this movie is. Uh, they go to some pyramid in South America while exploring, and they touch a plant that is, like, super contagious and murders you, and if you touch the plant, the local tribe just fucking, like, kills you. What the fuck is this movie? And they at one point have to, like, cut a foot off, I think, but I could be Oh, wrong. shit. I know. Um... It's not good. It's like the ruins or something. I know what you're talking not about. Good. No, it's not good. <laughs> I, I don't know this at all. I don't even know how I watched it. I think I was like hanging out at a party at college and I'm like, let's put this on. It'll be fun. And like, no one had a good time. And it's also weird, like, along with needing a happy ending, I'd say American movies in general, especially horror, like, we also have the, uh, the reputation for like all in on violence, but like, Stay away from weird sexy times and, like, nudity and stuff. Mm -hmm. And in reality, I feel like foreign films go harder on both the violence and the sex. It's just they do it more realistically, whereas we don't cross the line, but we play up those things for no reason. Yeah, sex in horror... Sex is always, I see, filtered through a humor lens in American horror. Mm -hmm. um, if it is ever seen, it is never like a realistic, intimate moment. And if it is, it's usually very short-lived and immediately, like... Ruined. Ruined. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Anyway, Hodag. Hodag, uh, from, most famously from Rhinelander, Wisconsin, uh, this guy by the name of Eugene Shepard, who was a known prankster in the area, got together a group of people. They supposedly went and killed one, and that's when a newspaper article in 1893 appeared. The uh, picture of them with the Hodag is amazing. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it is supposed to be a big 
sort of bullish lizard monster born from the ashes of cremated oxen. It is the incarnation of the total abuse upon different creatures in the area. It was described as having the head of a frog, grinning face of a giant elephant, thick short legs with huge claws, the back of a dinosaur, and a long tail with spears at the end. Supposedly, after that, in 1896, Eugene went out and captured one alive. Uh, He was then charging people to go in and see it, but when the Smithsonian Institute wanted to go investigate, he immediately was like, nah, it's a hoax. Sorry, guys. (laughs) No, no, don't don't come out here. I'll tell you right now. It is totally fake. It's like the time that they were trying to show off the Jersey Devil, so they painted a kangaroo and, like, hit a guy behind it to poke it any time it wasn't active enough. Yeah. We've all started a joke prank that's <laughs> gone so far, far that you realize, oh, wait, you guys didn't realize this was a joke? Okay, gotta tell you now. But, like, Rhinelander has kept with it, and I guess it's, like, even the mascot of Rhinelander High School and stuff. And When I was looking it up for this, they were saying, I, I saw a bunch of things being like, it's associated with Paul Bunyan, which is why I went with Lumberjack. I can't find a damn thing about how it's connected to Paul Bunyan. In the area, you know... When they retell Paul Bunyan, Hodag was there. Yeah, but, okay, it's Babe the Blue Ox, not the fucking Hodag. Although that'd also be cool. Um, oh, yeah, I, ma- I would imagine they just, like, throw a story of him fighting the Hodag for some reason. Or a Hodag or something. Probably. That brings us to our friend Jeff. Yes, the, the Dolby spook, as I prefer to call it. Jeff the Talking Mongoose. There's a lot. To this story, <laughs> to the point, wild. like, I was about to start writing down notes, and I'm like, I do not want to write this much. I am just going to have the Wikipedia article open over my shoulder so I can reference back at it, because... <sighs> and um, you also sent me a pot. I haven't listened to it yet, because I didn't want to just accidentally end up saying word for word whatever the fuck they say. Last Podcast on the Left does a great episode about Jeff. Last Podcast on the Left can be a little crass. That's my only warning on it, but it's one of their more recent ones, so it's not bad. But basically, there was this family uh, on the Isle of Man outside the town of Dalby, the Irvings, that supposedly started hearing a ghost mongoose named Jeff that introduced itself to their kid. And it sounds like the big runaway thing is it it got in the papers. People came to try to see it. Parapsychologists showed up to try to study it to see if they were right. Everyone at this point kind of agrees that, like, the daughter probably made it up and was using some form of ventriloquism to sort of perpetuate some of the noises that they were hearing. Uh, Some of the other physical evidence was obviously their dog. A little bit of it is slightly unknown. And you have to remember for a couple of things here. One... This was on, I think, the Isle of Wight? Isle of Man. Isle of Man, thank you. Uh, in between World War One and World War Two, Europe was in a really weird place, and this is a very, very remote place to grow up as a child. They also said just the way that their house was constructed, there was a lot of, like, space between the walls, and you could even just, like, accidentally put, like, voices through the walls almost, just because it would just funnel it. Mm-hmm. What I actually found the most interesting was the the mongoose case, the Lambert Slander case. I don't know if I know that part. So the Irvings eventually had to sell the house after James died, the father, mm-hmm. at a loss because of its reputation of being haunted. Oh no. Oh. They sold it to an actor uh, by the name of... Oh no, 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 no. Uh, Leslie Graham was the actor that bought it and said that he 
he killed the thing, but that, that was the wrong, sorry, wrong person. An editor by the name of Richard Lambert uh, was one of the guys that got one of the paranormal investigators to go onto the island uh, to investigate the talking mongoose. Because of that, there was another uh, soldier and public service worker named Sir Cecil Levita, who was apparently had been overheard claiming that Lambert wasn't fit to serve on the board of the British Film Institute because he believed in ghost mongooses. Oh, I did hear about this. Lambert sued the fuck out of him and won. <laughs> Slander. <laughs> Receiving in 1937 7,600 pounds in damages, which apparently was a shit ton for a slander case at that time. Yeah, not insignificant money. But it, he ended up winning because he actually was able to provide proof of a memo that a BBC memo that showed that his career had actually been threatened if he persisted with not not with believing in a ghost mongoose, but just <laughs> I don't know how the law ends up working out in this case, but his job was threatened because he wanted to persist the slander case. And they ended up giving him the slander case because of that. Sure. You were threatened over doing this constitutional right, so I guess we're gonna let it uh we- Weird. Interesting. Only little things I have on Jeff that you didn't bring up just because they're fun. One, it could have been the dad, not the daughter, doing Mm. the ventriloquism trying to amuse. Because the daughter had, like, two things she maintained until she died. One, that she believed it. And two, she really wished her dad hadn't told people about it. Because her life got kind of miserable over it. Because newspapers all across Europe talked about how this girl was so unliked and had so few friends that she made up a talking mongoose. (laughs) no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like imagine being 14 year old 14 years old and the London Times is saying that about you can you uh, change your name at that point <laughs> like I changed my name I, I just get a new identity <laughs> then, I still believe everything I believe but I would just be and then the other little things person. just to be real fast on this one he was supposed to have little human doll hands I found that interesting because it actually predates a Lovecraft character that was described exactly the same way by, like, one year. That would make sense, actually. That would kind of fit. Um, And then, two, he would hit on her mom constantly. That's hilarious. Which is kind of leads to me thinking it's the father, if it's anyone. Like, Mm. is this what you're saying? Is like, you can almost hear through the walls on accident anyways, just with how weird the house was built. Of he's just, she's just hearing her dad be like, Hey, pretty lady, you want to do this? And she's like, the ghost wants to fuck my mom. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to fuck your mom, kid? But, like, that's <laughs> Next, we had El Coco. I mean, I got that one right. You that's got that one. Yeah, yeah you knew Central that, South uh, American boogeyman. Yeah. And then you had a kind of on Gamera because you knew he was a giant turtle monster. Giant turtle monster deliberately designed to be, uh, like, a competitor, but... Mm-hmm. To Godzilla, uh, to the point of being accused of being a ripoff. They wanted that sweet, sweet Godzilla money that uh, I think Tohei was making at the time. Pretty similar, well, yeah, pretty similar um, origin story, except instead of it being us nuking Japan, it's us getting in a fight with the Soviets and nuke going off, open um, awakening this creature from the depths under ice, I believe. And then his, at least in-universe, they find out his name is Gamera when they visit an Inuit tribe that has uh, a stone that has, like, 
this is Gamera on it. I mean, it probably doesn't. You know what I mean. It's not like this is Gamera, but here, yeah. like, here's a... Oh, Gamera. Uh, Gamera can eat fire, especially in later incarnations, and all sorts of, like, flammable substances, and can retract its limbs and use those holes as jets to go around instead. Much like Godzilla started off more as a villain and then has been used more of like a guardian of both Japan and Earth, especially from extraterrestrial threats in, in the later series. Mm-hmm. Partially because it can do the like fly around with jet legs thing. He's interesting because he was not as successful as Godzilla, but he was still extremely successful. They made like 15 movies. Mm-hmm. But they haven't made any since I think like the 70s. So it's... Uh... It's time. Let's make a new one. I was... With the number of like, giant... oh no, there's there's like a 1995 oh, one. Oh really? Okay, that's I think uh, that one. 2006. Gamera the Brave came out. And... I stand completely corrected. And he was, su- I think Gamera was supposed to appear in 2001's Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, All Out Monsters Attack, but they ended up like right, having issues rights issues stuff, at yeah. the last minute and having to switch in. Uh, uh, I believe Angora, Angorodon, something like that. Bummer. I mean, that one had like eighty monsters in it, it's if I remember. So, good. so, so good. <laughs> All Out Monsters Attack is great. So that brings us. We're here. Oh, we made it. It's we... time for a drink that we've been trying for for months. Yeah, our, I tapped that keg earlier, uh, way early in this flight. Thing we would get here quicker, and I am in need of a brew, even though I, I don't agree. drink beer. So. <laughs> But hey, we're uh, we're at the we're at the slaughtered lamb. Let's go. Right, I'm gonna grab one and head back out to the balloon to see, make sure that she is worthy for the next voyage. But where are we going next time, Zach? We've been called to the Justice League trophy room on the moon. Ooh, we're going to the moon, boys. Sweet. Uh, we wait. Be- does our balloon go to the fucking moon? We went it's- to the. Mystical realm of Azeroth. I think we'll figure it out. I'm not, okay, I just don't know if it's you know space worthy. Look, yet. whether we'll survive is the question. Okay, well, sure, let's find out. Look, easier to navigate once it's night. We know where we're heading. <laughs> just go <laughs> up. In yeah. the rest of the time, yeah. Uh, but the league needs some help uh, organizing and figuring out what some of the various tchotchkes and trophies and prizes that they've gathered have been. Yeah, this gonna be fun. I got. You. That's it for today, folks. We're taking off. But before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out our sister shows at earverm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch and follow us will be in the show notes. And as always, we want to give a special thanks to our editor, Stephen Gade, and to Ian Ford for our theme song tracks. Did I get your name right once this season? <laughs> a couple times after I told you that <laughs> you got to... It's Gady. Gady. <laughs> I've only known you for years. It's fine. It's... But anyways, thanks Ian Ford for a theme song track. Until next time, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Up, up, and away. Yeah. Very literally. <laughs>